Hey y'all, Cinna here. Just uh, here to give a quick warning about arachnophobia this week. There's just some general spider imagery and, you know, just want to give everybody a heads up. I'll try to include timestamps in the description as usual. That's all. Hope you enjoy the episode. We've got a week of episodes. We're we're just getting right into the thick of it. Just going immediately into it. Yeah, like we're we're not like. I mean, I I guess like just to lay the groundwork, and th- th- this is also a surprise to you, Sam. Um, in a few weeks, I'm probably gonna need to take a week off because I'm not gonna be in state. <laughs> um, but I will like probably edit together some kind of like compilation episode for that so that we don't have to worry about it because i don't want to just like be like hey blank week i mean we've taken blank weeks for less i know but i don't wanna like i want to put together something like i'll figure it out yeah that'll be like the week of the 13th so the 13th there'll be, like, a compilation episode, probably. If not, then you guys can just, like, I don't know, crucify me? I don't know. I mean, we're probably we're probably also getting another weekend where I can't record, because I sh- In theory, if all things go well tonight, I should be getting my second shot at in one of the coming weeks. Um, and if I'm getting my second shot, it's on a Saturday night, so I might be completely out of it on the Sunday. Hey, it happens. Like, we'll figure it out. We'll get through it. Uh, we've had some significant Bounttown episodes this week. Um, I I figure we should probably introduce the show and just like get into it. Yeah, let's just get to it. That way, I can quick, very quickly, go switch on my AC again. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Thanks, Summer. This is It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host, Senna. And I'm your co-host, Sam. And one of the cats has knocked something off a chair. So, <laughs> let's just hop right in with episode 82. 
Ichigo versus Dulk, Appearance of the Faded Darkness. This this episode title is actually kind of accurate. It, like it's not it's no Hitsugaya moves, but like this one's you know this one's a little on the ball. Yeah, it's it's like here's the thing you're doing. Also, here's like this really cool way where like after the episode you're like, oh yeah, I guess that does make sense. Yeah, yeah. Ichigo and gang continue running as Karia commands the Bounce to head out and show them their power. As they head out, the Bounce discuss Karia's leadership, and they mostly seem in agreement that Karia is the rightful head of the Bounce, and that it would be unwise to defy him. I, I really specifically like that the old guy's like, well, I'm not gonna disobey him. That seems like a bad idea. I think we should all obey him. And everybody's just like, yeah, I think that seems right. He's like, hey, did you all notice that he was absolutely ready to kill us if we disobeyed him. And they're like, yeah, I mean, such is the way of the bound, right? And he's like, yeah. So I'm going to listen to him because, you know, don't want to die. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I may be old. I may be, like, the most, like, easily, like, ready to die bout out there. But, you know, I don't want to die. So I'm just not gonna. Karya explains to Maki that this is a good opportunity for the Bounce to feel how much more powerful they truly are after drinking the bug juice. And then he, like, commands Maki to release the still Jokerified Mabashi as he returns to his room. I- Mabashi is just still sitting here, like, laughing to himself. Release him from what? They're not holding him or anything. <laughs> he's just- he's just sitting there, like, laughing on- like, just high on the bug juice. It's weird. See, I... Because I, like, watch these episodes twice when I'm, like, doing the summary. Like, the first time I watched it subbed, uh, and he says, release him. And I was like, what does this mean? They're just... He's just standing there laughing. And then I watched the dub, and in the dub he's like, take care of Mabashi, will you? <laughs> and that's it. And I'm like, this makes more sense. It's just like... Okay, yeah, that makes more that makes more sense. He's like, okay, Mabashi's having a bad trip. Can you like stay with him, make sure he stays hydrated, bring him to his room, you know? Yeah, release him from his awful trip. Like, God. Meanwhile, the Bito flee as Renchi collapses, and Ichigo and Rukia sense his spiritual pressure fading, as Jinta and Uraru arrive with the newly finished super bounce sensor. It supposedly has a fifteen minute time limit. And a special password, which Jenta claims that Ichigo should know. Ichigo takes it in hand and reveals it to be that, like, headband from, like, way earlier in the show during, like, Urahara's training arc or whatever. It has a name. It's the Justice Bandana. It is the Justice Bandana. I was getting there. Ichigo swallows his pride and he yells the activation code for the Justice Bandana, which I'm not going to repeat because I'm not going to embarrass myself. Uh... And he activates the sensor, which, like, causes the gem in the center to glow and pull him in the direction of the nearest bounce. Like, th the headband is, like, literally physically pulling him in the direction of the nearest bounce. I really love that bit. I'm also a big fan <laughs> of the bit where, like, ev like, everyone around him is like, come on, it's not that bad, just do the thing. You said it before, it's fine. And as soon as he says, feel the power of justice, equip justice armor, justice bandana. <laughs> like, everybody's just like, wow, you really actually said something so incredibly lame. Holy shit, he didn't hesitate. <laughs> My god. 
Ruki especially just like lays into him and it's like honestly pretty savage. Just like, ooh, just let the kid just let the kid breathe. Ururu mentions that you can't turn the bandana off, and then Ruki's like, well, I'm just gonna hi Muppet. I'm just <laughs> There's a cat here. Ruki is just like, Well, I'll stay behind. I'll keep looking for Renji. It's fine. Kago leaves a nearby convenience store and walks face-first into a horde of Bito that pretty easily take him down. Ichigo catches up to him and, realizing who it is, slices the Bito off of him, but it's seemingly too late as Kago's left on the ground paralyzed. Koga shows up and summons Dalk, who looks a lot more spider-like than ever. She launches an orb at Ichigo, who could barely block the assault. The headband breaks, and both parties agree that this fight has gone on long enough which will be disappointing to everyone, given that it lasts like three more episodes. Orihime and Kurodo discuss the disappearance of Reggie's spiritual pressure as Rukia, Jinta, and Ururu show up. Rukia explains where Ichigo and Lirin are, but before Rukia can head out again, the sole remaining female bount, Yoshi, attacks with her talking fan and sword. Rukia sends the kids off to find Renji, as Yoshi complains, seeing that it's more satisfying to fight men than it is women, because I guess we just have to have, like, the girl boss character who's not actually a girl boss? I don't know. You, like, yeah, Yoshi's definitely the, like, I am, like, I am the war, the warrior, the fighter. Also, I, that's why I only want to fight men, because they're, they're a better challenge. <laughs> it's like, come on, Yoshi. Come on. Like, you could be cool. Like, everything else about you is, like, pretty alright, and then you've immediately squandered this by just being like, Ah, yes, men. I want to fight men, because I'm a woman, and it proves I'm stronger than men if I do that. And I'm like, I mean, I guess, but you don't have to be like that. Yeah, like, I do like her, like, she's got the coolest doll so far, because it's like, it's a fan and a sword connected with the chain. Yeah. It's just, like, really cool. But yeah, it's just, like, eh. Eh. Orihime, Kurodo, and Ruki get ready to work as a team before we cut back to Ichigo's fight with Dalk. Wait, one moment. I ha- We have to mention the weirdest commercial transition that Bleach has done to date. Where okay. it's like, we're gonna make you tell us about Kauria. And Yoshi's like, hmm, I wonder about that. But, like... As soon as Yoshi starts talking, the screen starts fading to black, and it cuts her off mid-word. I didn't notice this! I don't know how I didn't notice this! She's like, hmm, I want commercial. <laughs> she's like, what just happened? <laughs> and, then, and then it comes back in with Ichigo, and she's like, oh, okay, I guess we're over here now. Yeah, like, it, it, is, a, it is a very abrupt transition. Absolutely. Also, like... We're stating, like, while I don't think the animation, like, has been, like, particularly great during this arc, I noticed these two episodes in particular seemed really, really inconsistent with their animation. Like, to a very noticeable degree. Dalt gets the money, and Yoshi doesn't. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Dalt is the real girl boss. Dog is the real girl boss, let's be real. And, you know, my favorite part of her design, which, let's be real, her new design's pretty good. Like, she has a completely new, like, she she's bigger and better than ever. I, I was not really into the fact that they just were like, well, we still gotta give her boobs, because, like, she's the girl one. 
I was like, okay, I guess you can do that, but, like, come on. Come on. You could have just left it. Yeah, but as we've seen, all of the big metal orbs on her body are also weapons, so she literally has deadly killer boobs. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're really not wrong. Koka tells Dalk to stop toying with her prey, as Ichigo claims not to be a pushover. In, in fact, like, in the subs, like, I was watching, he's like, what do I look like, a minor character? And I was like, Ichigo. You can't just, like, call attention to the fact you're in an anime. It doesn't work like that, bud. Your theme song is I Am Number One. Yeah. <laughs> Dalk launches a ton of spikes at Ichigo, and he's, like, barely withstanding the onslaught, but he continues to worry about Keigo, who can now see Ichigo. Koka takes this as a sign that his soul is nearly gone, and that nothing can be done to save him. He states that even if his soul were to be returned, his body wouldn't be able to handle it. Which is so weird, because they're, like, the reason he knows that Keigo is almost dead is because Keigo can see Ichigo. Yeah. And you're like, wait, no, we just had a bunch of episodes where, like, the joke was Keigo can see Shinigami. Yeah, like, it's absolutely, like, I, I definitely felt like this bit was, like, Okay, so Koga's misunderstanding the situation, because we as the viewer know that Keigo can, like, yeah. see Soul Reapers now, and, like, spirit shit, and he just doesn't understand it yet. But, like, past that, you know, it it doesn't really go anywhere, because they don't really pay that much more attention to it throughout the episode. Yeah, we'll probably have to wait till the end of this fight before it, like, has a payoff. Yeah, if there is one. You know, several weeks from now. Yeah. Koka explains that the bug juice is responsible for his increase in power. And I'm, I am I just want to say, really glad that when I was writing this, I just decided to stick to bug juice. We went there last week, and it's bug juice. It's just bug juice. It's just bug juice. The Bounce plan on stealing more souls with the Beto to make more bug juice so that they can achieve their ultimate goal. Keigo tells Ichigo to run, and as he passes out, Ichigo flashes to all of his fond, fond memories of ignoring Keigo, powering him up as he's filled with emotion. He launches a Getsuka Tensho, cutting Dalk in half, and dropping steel beams on Koga. He, like, doesn't even check to see if they're actually, like, dead or, like, incapacitated, and he just, like, turns around immediately to Keigo, and then Dalk and Koga immediately get back up, like, completely unharmed. And the former, Dalk, just catches him in her, like, liquid metal webbing. Yeah, now in fairness, he did see Dalk, like, get chopped in half. He like, he just didn't know that she could merge herself with the metal structure and then come out looking just good as new, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's true, but, like... He was worried for his friend. Yeah, I, I guess, like... Friendship, you know, friendship with the ones you ignore just, like, really clouds your judgment. We, like, cut to a, a very, very short scene where Ururu catches up with Chad and Noba as the old man bounce Sabatari, who, I believe, I think we found our culprit for, uh, who brought the Lazy Boy in, because this man is the CEO of Lazy Boy. He appears to greet them with a dramatic chair spin, and then that's it. 
That's all we get of him this episode. It is important to mention, they're at a public park. His chair comes out from the ground and then does a slow turn towards them so that he can, like, be sitting... He can be, like, a creepy old man turning his chair. But, like, he comes out of the ground in the chair first. This is absolutely the guy who brought in the Lazy Boy a few weeks ago. Like, right? I'm not just imagining it. This is the guy. I don't know. I don't know if he can move other chairs. I think that's his power. Like, we don't know anything else about him, and until we do, I'm gonna assume he's just got very chair-based powers. Well, I think his doll is his chair. So I'm right. (laughs) Well, it's not that he's got chair-based powers, it's that he's got got powers that are a chair. Same thing. Same thing. (laughs) I don't know, one of them is chairs, plural, one of them is chair, singular. (laughs) Do you think- do you think the lazy boy- was just, like, his chair doll, but, like, it maybe changes appearance so that, like, it could be a lazy boy? <laughs> well, no, because he was also sitting in his, like, weird rock chair, even in the in the mansion. He's been uh... sitting in that chair the whole time. Someone else brought that lazy boy into the middle of the Grand Hall. <laughs> we have yet to find our culprit. We'll get to the bottom of this mystery soon enough. <laughs> We cut back to Ichigo, who claims that he can't save anyone if he can't save Keigo, which is really, really dramatic. But Dalk forms a massive web, which catches Echigo. Echigo? Echigo? I was about to say Echigo, and I don't like that. We ca- <laughs> which catches Ichigo in his tracks, and she uses the opportunity to whip him until he collapses. She takes Sangetsu and, like, lunges for him. And we hear Ichigo exhale as, like, the framing of the screen just, like, closes in. It starts cutting to, like, a widescreen shot and it just, like, fully closes the screen. And then we, like, cut back and he grabs Zangetsu with his bare hands, just effortlessly wrestling it from the doll. Like, he, like, flips her over him and just, like, effortlessly grabs, the like, the sword with no fucking, like... Just no fucks given. And as it turns out, Jokerfied Hollow Ichigo has once again shown up. And he just goes absolutely fucking bonkers as Koga and Dalk are like trying to figure out what the hell's going on, who this new guy is. And he's like, I'm me. And then the fight continues with Joker Ichigo st- just like stabbing Dalk in half before he just bursts into a fit of absolute Joker-fied laughter. And then Ichigo comes to and rips off the mask, which causes him to exert so much energy he collapses. Yeah, like, the hollow Ichigo, like, stabs Dalk, runs forward, like, a hundred yards, <laughs> and then <laughs> Dalk is like, wow, that was a lot. <laughs> and then she, like, fades. She, like, goes back into her, her like, non-existent form it, it was really funny because it felt like like obviously hollow ichigo before has kind of shown up out of nowhere but this one especially was like 30 seconds of hollified ichigo just to like kind of bail him out of this and then for him to not get bailed out of it as he just collapses anyway well even against Byakuya, i don't think hollow ichigo lasts more than like a minute 
Yeah, I know. Like the the whole thing is that if he lasts more, if he lasts any longer, then he gets like permanent control of the body or whatever. It, it's just very funny that this happened, and then he like just bursts into a fit of laughter, and then is gone. <laughs> yeah, Jigo's just like immediately like, whoa, whoa, hold on, pump the brake, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, no, this is my fight. Get out of here. Koga like takes his opportunity to like walk up to the front of him, and he's like. This is my time to lecture you on the fact that strong power requires strong emotion. And, you know, I just really don't think you have control over your power, so you're going to destroy yourself in the near future. But before that happens, I'm going to kill you. So he summons Dulk again, and just, like, commands her to end it, and then we cut to Jinta, who stumbles upon the collapsed Renji, and the episode just ends there. There is a really sick title card where we have, like, three horizontal frames. One of them has Rukia Norihime, one of them has Ichigo, and then the third one is Renji. But because Renji's unconscious, it's all grayed out. Yeah. And none of these frames have Chad. <laughs> none of them have Chad, which I feel like is incredibly important to point out. Like, we need to focus on Chad. Like... I guess it's kind of telling us, oh, next episode, we're not going to get, like, any Chad. But, like, eh, I wish there was Chad. I also want to point out, I realized what my problem with some of the bounce are. And this isn't, like, a thing that's related to all of them. Specifically, right now, I'm kind of thinking of Koga and Yoshino. And it's that they don't actually really do any of the fighting themselves. They just kind of stand there while their doll does all the work. Yeah. Koga's just here. He's just, like, got his arms in his- he's, he's got his hands in his pockets for, like, three quarters of the episode, if not the whole episode. And that's all he does. He's just there to, like, be threatening, I guess. Which is great, because we know that he's, like, super strong. <laughs> he lifted those- he lifted those metal girders up like it was nothing. But, you know, this is just how Bounce fight. They, like, stand there and go, go forth, my median. <laughs> it really is just like that. What was the uh, post-credit bit this time, Sam? So, for the post-credit scene this time, we find Ikaku at a barbershop, uh, because he's not naturally bald. It's a fashion choice. And, you know, Yachiru shows up, causing problems, does jokes about how, like, oh, I should uh, use this marker to draw on your head where the head ends and the face starts. And uh, <laughs> then Komamura also gets up and just like, oh, Komamura went to the barber for a trim, and his fur looks radiant. He's absolutely gorgeous. Never looked better. Now the question is, do you think that he still went to the barber when he was hiding his face from everyone? Or is this the first time he's gone and he's like, wow, I do look great now? You know, well, I, I, I don't think it would be the former, I do think the latter is already much funnier, which is just like I, I I think it I think it has to be the latter in this case. Like, he looks absolutely stunning. That's great. He's got a bunch of bishi sparkles around him, like just <laughs> ready to start his new life. Pick up all the men and women. He's excited to be the world's greatest fox boy that we've ever had. Soul Society's new heartthrob. Now that Gin is gone. <laughs> if the captains weren't furries before, they sure as hell are now. God. Let's go ahead and cut to break. <laughs> to break we go.
get back into it with episode 83, Grey Shadow, The Secret of the Dolls. The episode begins with Rukia's lightning being blocked by her opponent's fan, and we're presented with the stakes of this fight. The opponent, Yoshi, is too fast for a chanted spell, and chant skipping spells are way too weak. So Claude's just like, alright, fine, I'll turn into Renji and fight in the meantime. <laughs> and he just turns into Renji. I feel like we could have just had Renji fighting here. I, I feel the same way. I did think it was really funny, because at first I couldn't, like... I couldn't really glean that he was like, oh, I'm just gonna, like, be a distraction by turning into Renji and just, like, doing Renji things. Like, I thought he was, like, trying to trick her into thinking Renji was here for a second, and I was like, she's watching you transform! She's literally <laughs> looking directly at you! Yeah, Yoshi, like, just easily blocks and dodges everything that he throws at her. Uh, Orihime does jump in with an attack, like, holy shit, this, I think this is the first attack she's done, and, like, 60 episodes oh absolutely like before like the last time we saw her actually like maybe fight was before soul society happened like we saw her do like a tiny bit in soul society but this is the first time she's like actually fought yeah like she's she's been doing shields since yeah. uh like she's been active she's been active in some of the encounters of the bount and by doing shields but this is the first time she attacks someone uh anyways with those two like holding the fort, Rukia manages to complete her chant, but, you know, the bout manages to defend herself. Like, she has a transformed version of her weapons, which we're going to see later again, so I'm not gonna go too much into it now. But, like, you see the whole transformation for, like, maybe a quarter of a second, because then she jumps off screen, and when she lands, she's back in her normal form, and she just stabs Claude in the shoulder. I, I honestly really wish Kuroto weren't, like, here. Like, I think the fight would be a lot more interesting if it was just, like, Rukia and Orihime working together, rather than the three of them, because Kuroda just kind of exists here to, like, be a distraction, and then, like, that's it. Ah, so you want Rukia and Orihime to have a fight against, just a 2-on-1 fight against the Bount, eh? Well, don't worry, the monkey's paw is curling, right now. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ichigo is on the ground, unable to move, vision blurring, and Koga laments that it appears to be his fate to watch young ones full of potential die. It saddens me to see lads with bright futures ahead of them die before my eyes, as he thinks back to someone else who, was, who wasn't ready to die, with a similar look as the one on Ichigo's face. And then we just flash back to the past, where just, we just have like Koga in just this big rural setting, just his house on the prairie. And Kadi approaches him with a young bount. And he's like, Yeah, just teach him how to live as a bount. And I wanna take an like I wanna take a moment to appreciate that like the kids got like the really the like old school, like the short cap, the suspenders, and Koga's got like this luxurious made of hair. And Kadi is just Kadia. Like, he's wearing a tie, I guess, but he doesn't have his old foppish mop of hair. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, that's a shame. That's a missed opportunity. But I suppose this means this happens after Yoshino breaks up with him the first time. Yeah, probably. Uh, there is, like, one detail here I liked, and I wish they had, like, followed through on it a bit more, which is that, like, Karya greets Koga as Claude, and, like, for a second I was like, oh, are they gonna do this interesting thing where maybe, like, the bounce, like, because it, it's very clear, like, where they're living right now is, like, a European setting. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it would have been very interesting that, like, if the bounce, like, 
move where they're going or like where they're located that maybe they just kind of like take on names that are like uh consistent with the culture surrounding them because i think that would be interesting but then kari is just kari and i'm like oh i guess we're not doing that so that's fine like we also don't get like he says hey hey claude oh i guess you're going by a different name we don't learn what that name is and no one says his name during this flashback yeah at all So I'm just going to keep calling him Coco for the flashback, but, you know, would have been cool to hear his other name. Yeah, would have been cool. So at first, Coco's like, um, no, our culture's all about, like, learning to live on our own in secret and finding our own strength and being, like, you know, and Kario, like, just eventually convinces him. And then he says... Koga has lived through a mind-numbingly long time, and the kid represents the future at Bount. And wait, hold on, what happened to all all of the Bount appearing in the same short time? Like, I get that they, did, they didn't mean, like, literally all of them showed up at once, but you can't tell me that Koga has lived a mind-numbingly endless time. Unless Karya's just saying, this farming stuff you're doing is the most boring shit in the world. <laughs> You know, I could take it either way, because I do think Karya would find farming to be incredibly fucking boring. But, like, you're right. It, it, it It's absolutely, like, kind of an inconsistency that the episode obviously does not call any attention to. Uh, I do want to state there's, like, a really good cut here to Kane as he just, like, very lightly kicks the dirt. Like, the most, like... He just like barely tries. He's just like, eh, and he kicks the dirt, and that's it. Yeah, he's just, you know, he's just a young man who's like, what the fuck am I doing, Dad? Why are you bringing me to this new dad? I don't like this new dad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so his name is Kane, and Kadia tells him to, he t- he tells him make him a person with your own two hands. <laughs> also, I wrote a book on how to summon dolls. Here we go. It would be cool if even one of our friends manages to like summon a doll, and he leaves. And Kane's like, you know what? He's got the right idea. I'm also going to leave. And Koka just, like, power walks up to him, beats the shit out of him, and tosses him on the ground. And he's like, look, I did that so you would understand. You're weak as shit, and you're going to die as soon as you leave. Or you can help me farm. Your pick. And then we get a montage of them doing farming stuff. I'm not going to lie. Like, the dynamic these two have, I I think if these characters were, like, like, had a bit more characterization overall i feel like i could watch a show about these two absolutely yeah give give me like a dr stone type show where koga's just like showing him how to like hoe the fields or whatever (laughs) an indeterminate time later the pair go into town to sell potatoes and koga buys kate kane a new coat for winter which he dons gratefully kane seems to be coming around to the idea that meeting and living with koga was a good thing for him and koga just responds with like Look, just be proud you live as a bount. And then we just get, like, a bunch of of village bullies who are like, Yo, give us your coat. Give us your fancy coat. (laughs) And, you know, Kane's, like, ready to throw down. Koga's like, just fucking, you know, ignore them. They're nothing. (laughs) And then they get mad, obviously. But So they try to punch Koga. Just no reaction. They try to, like, hit him with a piece of wood. No reaction. The piece of wood breaks in half. (laughs) <laughs> then he just grabs Kane's arm. He's like, "Hey, we're going." <laughs> Which uh, it's very good 
because like it, it it shows what Koga's good at, which is just like looking very intimidating and like you know being threatening by uh you know by way of not taking any fucking damage when he's hit. But the next part, yeah. So obviously, having seen that. The group comes back with just a much larger group of men wielding sickles, axes, and guns, and they're like, You must be the forest monsters! Go away, forest monsters! And Koga's like, Ugh, people. And he summons Dalk. She scares off the whole group. Kane is like, just in awe of Dalk's power. You know, she shows off a little, breaks a tree in half, and Koga's like, Listen, you'll have one eventually. You're not you're not a stray dog, you're a chosen human. I, I I do like this like interaction. However, I do find it incredibly silly that these like bullies like got intimidated out of mugging these guys. And then they're like, okay, we're coming back with an angry mob and also guns. <laughs> yeah, well they're like, hey, we tried to hit one with a stick and the stick broke. The man's like made of stone. Clearly they're not human. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> there was probably also you know what there's probably a bunch of rumors about koga being like some sort of weird mountain monster already probably like it, it makes sense it's just i guess the episode doesn't do like enough groundwork for me to be like yeah no this makes sense it just feels like what you never broken a stick on a guy before <laughs> time to go summon a fucking mob but now it's time for something that makes even less sense because we're in like a quarry and kane is just punching and like he's training on like it's like those martial arts dummies with the various spokes sticking out, except it's set up like a punching bag, so it's just dangling <laughs> as, as he's hitting it. Uh, it looks ridiculous. Uh, Koga asks him why he wants to be strong, and Kane's like, look, I want to catch up to you, and, you know, maybe, if possible, I want to live with you, because, like, it's been a cool time. And Koga's like, Whoa, responsibility. Hey, hey, you know what? Might be time to get yourself a doll. Here, here's the book. Here's a doll. But, and, you know, he's, he is telling Kane, like, you know, understand the ritual as Katya, like, laid it out. But also, don't do shit on your own. Like, let me, like, decide how far we go and how fast, because you might not be prepared, like, just yet. But, you know, here's the book. You could start reading into it. Yeah, like, his big condition is don't try to summon it on your own. When this, when it comes to summoning the doll, let me handle that. And, you know, I another thing is, Ken does punch that, like, that fucking dummy in half, for one thing. But he also, at one point, grabs and knees it, which I think is incredibly funny, given that it's hung up like a punching bag. Yeah, well, like, you can do knee strikes on a punching bag, but the fact that it's, like, it's a wooden thing with the spokes coming out is just yeah. so funny to me. Um, I'm sure that, like, I'm sure there are some of those that you just set up that way, but it looks ridiculous. It's so dumb. I love it. We cut to nighttime some, you know, could be a week later, could be a month, could be literally that same night, but Kane is alone in a cave, casting the ritual to summon a doll. Koga, who had been sleeping, wakes up and rushes out, but he arrives in time to see that Kane's completed the summoning, and now he's holding a little glowing green bean. He's excited to show Koga what he can do, and he wants to give his doll orders, but the oldest bound is like, wait, hold on, you're not ready, you're not prepared, like, just hold up. And the doll's like, I'm sweepy, and I want to sweep. It literally sounds like this, I'm sweepy, oh, I want to sweep. It's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to take in. 
And then Kane's like, hey, come on, just, like, do something, anything. Like, I just want to show that, like, you can do stuff, like Dalek does. And the doll's like, okay, fine, show me your power. And uh, it just explodes in a beam of light that goes up to the heavens. And we get the sad music, the sad bleach music, you know. Kane is, like, glowing because he's obviously about to disappear. He tells Koga he's not ready to die. Koga rushes forward. And the music cuts out just as Kane turns to dust and Ko- like right before Koga touches him. And like the fact that they cut out the music at that point, I was like, holy shit, Bleach. Yeah. It like it's a really good moment. I think it would have been a lot more effective. Like, as much as I would not have wanted this like whole thing to drag on for like too long, I like we knew like immediately because obviously like this is what Koga was like alluding to. Uh, we knew that Kane was going to die, but like the kid just kind of waves death flags all over like for <laughs> the entire episode, and like I kind of wish we had more time to like get to know Kane a bit better if that makes sense. Because like even though we knew he was going to die, I feel like it would have been more effective. Had we had a little more time with him? He's like, hey, new dad, glad that you're taking me in. Where can I drop my giant pile of death flags? <laughs> God, it, 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 it's really as he just like accepts Koga as his new dad, too. Imagine if each of these, like, because this, this flashback takes, we have like, we have Karia showing up with Kane. Then we have the montage. Then we have them going into town, maybe getting a bit bullied. Then we have the mob and Dalk showing up. Then we have him giving him the doll, the doll manual. Finally, we have the summoning and the death. Imagine if that had been split up into six chunks of like two or three minutes each, put out over the last six episodes. Yeah, no, I would have been into that. I think that would have been like much better like direction wise like it, it's fine to get it all at once like it works I, d- I do think it might have been like more effective especially if we didn't know from the beginning that Kane was going to die like I think if it were something that like we just like got a cut to like Koga thinking about this time not necessarily like oh remember that time when Kane died like if if he just like flash back to this time, I think that would have been really interesting and like a lot more effective. Yeah. Uh, later, we do see Karia just like openly sobbing and weeping at Kane's grave. Uh, Koga apologizes for letting this happen. Karia's like, the sadness is too much for either of us to bear living alone. Let's live together, grieve together, and he puts his hand on his husband's shoulder while the soundtrack is loudly whispering, Demon! Evil. <laughs> it's like it's this really sweet scene of the two and then you just have like the creepy bout music happening it's it's a lot i like literally like there's no other way to read it as like other than karia being like we should live together putting his hand on fucking koga's shoulder like their husband's there's no other way to cut it. Yeah, like, I feel like the music is impl- like, the music choice is implying to me that Katia, like, set this up. That he, like, set set Koga up to fail so that Koga would, like, live with him. <laughs> yeah. 
basically, we go back to the present. Koga says, anyway, so that's why I follow Kadia. He's the strongest, he's our leader, and we're going to rule the world. And uh, Now that I've explained my sad backstory, it's time for you to die. <laughs> it's time for you to die, quickly. And he looks at Ichigo and he tells him, power without ideals is dangerous. And just as he prepares to finish Ichigo off, a lantern swings in the breeze behind him. A vice captain has arrived to save the day. Kira Izuru is here. He sure is. I was happy to see him. I'm excited to see him like fight Koga. Um, one, one small, small, small gripe I have with this battle, uh, like just like this ending bit between Koga and Ichigo, is him like once again repeating that I feel like I'm destined to watch young like young boys die. Is like. Then don't kill him? Like, I know he's, like, not gonna let you get away with this, but, like, you don't have to do this. Well, he's got like, to. Kadia has a dream, and he's listening to Kadia right now, so he's gotta kill the enemies of the dream. He might also be high on bug juice. He's probably high on bug juice. That's why he's reminiscing. <laughs> oh, God. What was the post-credit bit this time? Uh, we get Tozen in just, like, this really windy field at night, and he, like, he just, he gives his, like, little speech that he gave, um, that he gives in, like, his flashbacks, where he's like, if you say the world likes justice, then I shall become justice itself, and I will erase the world's evil like clouds. I risk all of my justice, and then he unleashes his shikai, which, you know, it makes the sound of a cicada, which, of course, awakens all of the cicada, all of the cicada in the field who are more than happy to make noise in response. And he's like, wait, what the fuck? What's happening? Oh, God. All the bugs. <laughs> and meanwhile, in Soul Society, they're like, man, those cicadas sure are cool, huh? <laughs> it, it, it's like, it's a bit that does get funnier, like, the more you think about it. It was just like, at the time, it was like, oh, that's, that's a bit. But like, God... <laughs> It implies that Tosin is just hanging around Soul Society. It definitely does imply that, and, like, I, I kind of love that. <laughs> I kind of love the, that he might just, like, be around and nobody's found him yet or thought to look in Soul Society for him. Listen, Aizen, I know we have a thing, but also I dropped one of my earrings in my fight with Zoraki. <laughs> and, you know, it's Zoraki, so he pushed, like... He kicked it, it went, like, 14 kilometers. It's gonna take me a while to find it. And, like, I know it's just an earring to you, but it's really important to my ideals. I feel like I can't execute justice or become justice without the earring. I just, I really need to go get it. Listen, the earring is justice itself. Like, <laughs> one of my ju- one of my earrings says I shall become, and the other one says justice itself. I really need this earring. The, the earring is literally justice itself. Like, please. Just let me go. I'll be back in, like, 30 episodes tops. God. I'm thinking of the sorry to bother you, like, earrings. Like the I don't the know what you're talking about. Hold on. I need to... These are the... If anyone listening at home wants to know what the fuck I'm talking about, it's the Sorry to Bother You um, movie 
Tessa Thompson's character just has these incredible earrings the entire movie, <laughs> such as giant block letters that say murder, 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 and kill, kill, kill. Uh, and then there's a second one that says, uh, tell Homeland Security, we are the bomb. Uh, like, her movies, her earrings just don't stop. They're great. Those, those are incredible earrings. I'm really into these. But yeah, so I'm just picturing those earrings, but on Tozen, and they say... <laughs> I shall become justice itself. <laughs> I feel like he would. I, I really do feel like he would. This has been It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bleachcast. You can email us at iwobleachcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at lavender underscore pause. And you can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ. And on, I believe, on this week's episode of MetaWatch, a MetaBots podcast. Go listen to MetaWatch. Go do it. God, I... I was not expecting to have that much fun this week, considering, like, last week's episodes I felt were, like, kind of dull. And then this week it was like, oh, well, we're gonna have more fun this time, but it's gonna be, like weird fun where you're not sure you're having fun but you're having fun and we then we're also going to post recording chat just yet you haven't signed off for uh, you haven't finished your sign off no i know that, that's that's what i'm doing i'm signing off right now stay cool chads jesus christ get off my case <laughs> but i need you to sign off so i can say in the end we're all who we are no matter how much we may appear to have changed I don't care about your post-credits quotes. I just want to talk about my battles. <laughs> That's it. I'm cutting it. I'm cutting it.
Tonight.